passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly <coughs> calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. <laughs> this guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. <laughs> where it's all about you. All right, well, good morning. I hope you enjoyed the little video introduction. Today we're going to speak about a topic that I am very passionate about, especially these days, as y'all can imagine. And the topic we want to talk about today is the church. And I want to do two things today. I want to talk about the church, and I want to talk about our church. And I want to talk about them both. Because the church, first we have to understand what the church is, and how, design, how God designed the church, and then we'll tie it into where our church fits into that. I think that every so often it's important that you kind of look at what you're doing and try to figure out why you do what you do. And I bet you, if I put, if I gave you a piece of paper and I said right now, write down for me the reason why you came to church today, a lot of people would struggle to write an answer. At least one that they like. Why is it that you come to church today? What would you say? Why is it that you, let's say, I know a lot of, we have very generous people here, giving financially tithing their, their hard-earned money. Why are you tithing? Why are you volunteering your time? Why are you getting up early? Why, why are you finding a parking spot at the end of the world to try to come here today to be here on Sunday? Every now and then, it's important to realize not just church is a good thing and it's like my mom told me I should go to church and I know it's like a good thing to do, but it's good to realize why is it that we actually do come to church and to, to, to remind ourselves of what being part of the church is all about. I like this verse here, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says, And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power. And it goes on to talk about the power that the Lord gave to the twelve to cast out demons, to heal all kinds of sicknesses, to raise the dead, to open the eyes of the blind, etc., etc., etc. But the key is, it doesn't say that he gave power to anyone. He says he gave power to them. True story. After Hurricane Katrina, y'all know when the, the hurricane hit New Orleans and the winds and, the, and all kinds of disaster stuff happened, someone found a straw, a plastic straw, halfway embedded inside a tree. Inside like a trunk of a tree. A plastic straw was embedded inside of a tree. Like if you can kind of picture it, like a plastic straw that's stuck inside there. Let me ask you a question. How much effort would it take you to embed a plastic straw inside a tree like that? How long do you think it would take you to do that? You can't, okay? No way that you can norm, no way you could do it. But when you have 175 mile an hour winds, it doesn't take very long for a plastic straw to get embedded inside that tree trunk. That's a perfect picture of the church. Who we are, we're all plastic straws. 
You're a plastic straw, I'm a plastic straw. Some of us are red straws, some of us are white straws, some of us are the bendy straws, whatever, we're straws. But in the end, the straws have no value to themselves. But the church is the wind. And when we are connected to the church, we have power. And we can go out there and we can do stuff. And we can do stuff that otherwise could never ever be done by any group of people ever. As you saw in the early church where 12, where 12 group of people, the report all over the world said, these 12 guys who know nothing about nothing turn the world upside down. That's what the Bible says. So they turn the world upside down and change history. Why? Because they were plugged into the wind. Straws like me and you, but when connected to that wind, great stuff is going to happen. I said it before and I'll say it again. I said it at the very opening day. The inaugural liturgy of St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church, I said, this church is not a church, this church is a tidal wave. That's what I said, if y'all remember. I said, we're not just a church that's starting up on a corner of a street, this is a tidal wave that's about to hit Arlington, D.C., Virginia, stretch up into Maryland every now and then as well. Like, this is a tidal wave that's going to hit this entire United States of America, that's going to overcome it, this entire country, God's going to do work through what's happening here. I'm not saying he's going to do it overnight, I'm not saying do it by next week, but it's a tidal wave. Every one of us is a drop of water. And of ourselves is nothing. That includes me. I'm a drop and you're a drop and all of a drop. But when we're connected to the body of Christ, the church, we become a very powerful tidal wave that can mess some stuff up. Look at those 12 apostles from the early church. One day, they couldn't stay awake for five minutes of prayer. They ran like scaredy cats when the bad guys came. Couple weeks Later, whole life's changed. They got power. They are bold. They're not scared of nothing. They're raising the dead. They're opening the eyes of the blind. What made the difference? The church. Okay, and I'll talk about what, that, what I mean by that as we discuss here today. Now, when I say the church, we have lost, in my opinion, what it means to be part of the church in today's day and times. Because now there are many churches, and now... It's like, well, you know, why don't I go to church this Sunday? Uh, weather's kind of nice. Skin's got a late game. Let's go to church. Uh, you know, Father Anthony gives some funny sermons, so let me go. and It'll be nice to meet up with so-and-so. And Church becomes a nice activity that we do, but it's kind of an optional thing. And it's kind of a thing that if you're in the mood, you go. And if you're not, you don't go. I'm not calling everyone out right now. All right? I'm not calling anyone out. I mean, all of us have gone through those phases in our, in our lives. But I want you to see that the church, like, how important is the church really? How important is the church really? And I want you to answer that question for yourselves. And I hope that you give me the next half hour to try to help you answer that as we look at what God says the church is and supposed to be and see if that fits with the way your interpret or your mindset about church. Jesus thought very highly of the church. And in fact... If you want to know why did God come to church, or why did God come to church, why did God come to earth, I would say that God came to earth to establish the church. I don't think he came just to, to die for our sins and rise, okay? I don't think he came to give us the Bible. He could have sent a memo from heaven. God didn't leave earth, okay, Jesus didn't leave earth until he had established the church. And once the church was established and he had the twelve, and he set them up, and he fed them, and he gave them, and he equipped them, and he empowered them. Now he said, now I can leave. Because this is what I came to establish, is the church. Because if I leave the church on earth, then I actually leave my own body on earth, and we'll see that 
You know how important the church is to Christ? Because of the price he paid for it. Acts 20, verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. If I tell you, you know, uh, take the, if I give you something, a trinket out of my pocket, and I say, here, you know, I paid five cents for this. Say, okay. If I say I paid with my blood for this, okay, then you realize that this thing, which is very important to me, should therefore also be very important to you because Jesus paid for the church with his own blood. So, why did God create the church? Why do we have church? Church was created so I could belong to the body of Christ. That's why we have church. That's why we go to church. That's why we belong to church. That's why we have church services. That's why we do everything we do is to be part of the body of Christ. Not just to get together and pray. Not just to get together and sing some songs. But to be connected and plugged into the body of Christ. Colossians 1.18 says, He is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that all things he may have the preeminence. He is the head, church is the body. You know, some people say the church is the bride of Christ. You've heard that expression before. Technically, it's not accurate. Church is not the bride of Christ. Church is the body of Christ. You don't marry your own body. The bride of Christ is Israel. Okay, and from the beginning, Jesus said that Israel is the bride of Christ and the Jewish people were the bride of Christ. And God doesn't, divorce and remarry and all that stuff. So bride, leave bride aside. All right, we can take it spiritually that we're all the bride. That's fine. But literally, the church is not the bride. The church is the body. We're not the bride that he's going to marry one day. We are the body that is connected to him today. We are the body of Christ. That's why I don't like the expression, I go to this church or I attend this church. Don't say that. Say, I belong to this church because we as church are a body. Like, I don't say, I attend dinner at the Mesa household. You know, we don't say like, you know, I, uh, I, I went to uh, the, the Mesa's with the move for, to the movies with the Mesa's today. No, I belong to them. That's my house. All right. And we should feel the same thing as a church is that we are the body of Christ here. And when we come here together, all right. We come here together. When the body parts all like gather together from all the different parts, and then God is in our midst, the head and then the body, and it's all connected. This should be the place, like the most intimate, intimate fellowship with God should be in this place. This should be the place, like, like I said today in the sermon, that the people outside can smell something's going on in that place. Because the body is together with the head. And it's like a huge party. This should be the place that when we sing songs, we did better today, by the way. We did better, but we want to get even better. When we sing songs, that we're not just going through the motions and just singing. We're singing passionately. And we're excited because this is the place, this is the great reunion of all the body parts from all different places. Because during the week, some go to Fairfax and some go to Arlington and some go to Gaithersburg and some go to Herndon. But on Sunday, we all gather together and the head is in our midst and we're all gathered together. And this place should be rocking and rolling every single Sunday. Because this is where the head and the body meet. What makes church special is not me. It's not the priest. It's not the sermons. It's not the activities. It's not the events. It's not the beautiful decor. What makes church special? It's the body of Christ where the body unites with the head. 
I hope every single person sees themselves as part of that body and sees themselves as an integral part of that body and sees themselves as something where I need to... My sermon, by the way, is not about coming to church on Sunday. It's not about that. It's about the importance of the church. But coming to church shows the importance. I hope that everyone sees themselves as part of the body, that when the body's gathered together, I need to get in there, have the intimacy with the head and the fellowship with one another, that I need to go out and be a little Christ, okay? A little finger, a little toenail, a little ear, a little mouth, a little eye, a little wherever, and whatever part that I go to. And then we reunite together. We have our meal together around our table. We sit with the head all around the dinner table together. And then we disperse about, disperse again all throughout where we came from. That's what the church is supposed to be. Now I want to talk specifically for the rest of today about our church. I want to talk about St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Coptic Orthodox Church. And I want to ask you a question. Why are you here today? Why did you come here today? Are you here because your friends are here? Are you here because you're my friend? You like me. You just want to be, you want to hang out with me. Are you here because it's closer to your home? The weather was nice. Why are you here? Many different answers. But unless your answer is, I'm here because I believe this is the body of Christ and Christ's body has a mission in the world, but this particular body here has a particular mission, unless you are connected and see yourself as an integral part of that mission, I got news for you. You're not going to last. You're not. You know why? If you're here because of me, what happens when I get sick? You won't be here. If you're here because your friend, what happens when your friends move? Friends will graduate one day, okay? At some point in time, eight-year plan, nine-year plan, but at some point they will graduate. <laughs> What's going to happen when they move? No, you're not come here. You're here because it's nice and it's close by and the weather's nice. What happens if it's raining? Winter's approaching. What's connecting you to church here? Unless it is, this is the mission of the body of Christ on earth. And this is the specific mission of St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church. And I believe in this mission. And I'm part of this mission. This isn't going to last. It's nice knowing you. Okay, well, maybe we'll get to see you every now and then. Share a cup of coffee with you. But you're not going to make it long term. What is the mission of this church? The mission of this church is we exist to transform lives in the D.C. metro area through an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ founded upon the life and teachings of the Orthodox Church. Read that back with me so that I see that you're, that you're taking it in. Read it with me. We exist to transform lives in the D.C. metro area through an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ founded upon the life and teachings of the Orthodox faith. Why we exist? We don't exist to just do church. We don't exist just to get together because we've got nothing better to do on Sunday. We exist to change lives, to transform lives. And like I told y'all before when I said this before, when I say transform lives, I mean those who are in, in relationships should be transformed. Marriages should be transformed. Friendships should be transformed. Uh, uh, career outlooks should be transformed. Thought patterns should be transformed. Habits should be transformed. We want lives to be transformed. Transformed through the work that we're doing here. In the D.C. metro area, through an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. Emphasize the word authentic because we don't want just a surface level stuff. Surface level, we've all had the surface level. We can't accept the surface level. We need something deeper. 
Lives need to be transformed by an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ based on the life and teachings of the church. Life and teachings means theory and practice. We need to know what the church teaches, and we need to live what the church teaches through the life and teachings of the Holy Orthodox Church. Our tagline, as you see right there, all right, is extreme love, ancient faith, real communion. I explained that to you before. It all starts with God's extreme love for us. We love Him because He first loved us. And the only reason that we can stand up and pray, that we can get together and do anything that we do, is because God loved us in an extreme way. But God's extreme love deserves an extreme response. All right? And that extreme response from us is the, is the faith that He has given to us. And we respond to His love for us, His passion for us, with the faith that He gave to us, and we respond back with that faith. And then once God has given us His extreme love, and we respond with the ancient faith, that relationship needs to be lived out. How does God want us to live out our relationship with Him? In the context of a community, which is the body of Christ here, St. Timothy and St. Athanasius, Coptic Orthodox Church. Because God didn't design us just to have a relationship with Him in a one-on-one. -on -one. That's why when He said most important rule is love God, most, second most important rule is love one another. So God designed for us to live out that life in a community. Now what is that community supposed to look like? That's what I want to talk about right now. What is that Extreme love, ancient faith, in the context of a real community, supposed to look like. Does that work? Thank you. Thank you. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Take a look at this passage. This is the foundational passage upon which our church was founded. Upon this passage. As I, I told you all before, when we did the core value series, I sat one day in a Panera Bread for several hours, and I played with this passage, and I wrestled with this passage, and out of this passage, the foundational principles of our church was born. Acts 2, 42-47. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and divided them among all as anyone had need. Continuing daily, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Watch how the church supposed to, watch how our lives are supposed to look when the church is right. This is how it's supposed to look. They ate their food with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It's that sentence that did me in. When it said that this is how it's supposed to look like. Gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, favor with all people, and then the Lord, like, bringing them in. Like the people catching the crabs at the, at the ocean, just reeling them in. We're here living with gladness, simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people, and God is just shuffling them in. All right, one basketful at a time of people being added to the faith. That's how it's supposed to look like. Unfortunately, most of us, our experience doesn't match the theory. From this passage, we can come up with five pillars. Five pillars from this passage that the church is supposed to be and our church we believe we are called to be. Because like I told you all before, the church of the New Testament is not dead. 
Because if it's the body of Christ, the body of Christ is not dead. He rose from the dead. So the same way that he is alive, church is alive. And the church should be founded on these five pillars. And these are the five pillars of our church, St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church. And they are, as you see right there, community fellowship, worship prayer, doctrine, spiritual growth, sacrifice giving, evangelism, witnessing. It's said in that passage that they continue steadfastly in fellowship. That's our first one. That we were designed to live in community with one another, not solo. That God wants us to have real fellowship with one another. It says, secondly, they continue daily with one accord in the temple and house to house. So they continue daily, breaking bread. So we should be constantly offering up worship to God, prayer to God. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. That's spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. They were clearly very sacrificial in giving people. They're giving of their own possessions, of their time and of their money. And you saw the evangelism witnessing. You guys know I like visual pictures. Okay? Remember in the core values I showed you the mountain? And you remember that mountain? That was a cool mountain. Well, now we got columns or pillars. Y'all see that? Here is the org chart for St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church. That's us. The church has to have these five pillars. And if you want to look at it from a business sense or whatever, these are the departments or the divisions or whatever it is that you want to call it. We need to make sure in our church we are always focusing on community, on worship, on growth, on giving, and on witnessing. And we need to make sure that we're balanced. We don't want to be what I call the family reunion church, which is very, very good at community, and they get together and they have all kinds of events, and they eat food and they break bread and all this kind of stuff, but no one from the outside can break the inner circle. No one can get in because they're a family reunion church. We don't want to go to the other extreme and focus so much on witnessing, 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 and events for the outside, but our people are shallow and they're not growing spiritually. We need to make sure that we are constantly balancing all five of these pillars. That we, our church, where we have community, where we have worship, where we have uh, spiritual growth, giving, or sacrifice, as well as witnessing. And if you remember... And our core values, we have 10 core values. Every core value, for every one of these pillars, two core values are corresponding to them. So I'm going to run through these pillars kind of quick. And I want to talk about each one in a little bit of detail to kind of make sure that we understand what I mean when I say that we are built on community, on the pillar of community and worship, etc., etc. So the first one is community slash fellowship. And I want to talk about what it means and what we are going to do about it here in the coming days, weeks, months. Not year, but days, weeks, months. Fellowship is one of the most overused words in every single church. No one knows what it means. Everything is fellowship. Come, let's fellowship together. I don't know what that means. Let's go to a baseball game and have fellowship. What does that mean? Let's sit and watch a, a show on TV so we can have fellowship. Is this fellowship? Like, if we sit down and have a meal together, is that fellowship? If we play basketball together and curse each other out, is that fellowship? Like, what does the word fellowship mean? Let's get rid of, that's why I got rid of the word fellowship, and I use the word community, because I want a word that not everyone has a different idea of what it means, all these misconceptions. I think when you talk about community, there's like degrees. All right, and that's, and fellowship is the same thing. There's degrees of it. And we need to make sure that we have the degrees from the lowest level all the way up to the deepest level of community. The lowest level of community, in my opinion, I would say socializing, accepting of one another. And that's our first core value of limitless acceptance, that we believe that every single person, 
who enters our church is the most important person in the world and we accept them just as they are. Just as God accepts us and he doesn't ask us to change so he accepts us, he accepts just as we are and we will be the same people. We'll not judge anyone and that's why one of the most important things that we do in the church is after the liturgy, before we begin the well, we have that little break, all right? And me, I'm by nature a get things done as fast as you can kind of a person. So for me, let's just get rid of that break, break and finish faster so we go home faster, okay? But no, that break is important because we're not just here to come learn information and go home. We're here to establish community. And the beginning step of community, like I said, after liturgy is maybe you'll meet someone, say hello, accept them, and you never know, you may not be best friends with them. May end up being the person that saved your life spiritually at some point in time. We accept every single person, and we will always accept every single person. When you are at the coffee hour, don't just talk to your friends. It's not limitless socializing with your friends. It's limitless acceptance, a meeting somebody new, and, and, and you never know, a high might just be the acceptance that someone needed to make their day. And we all know when we've been in a situation where we needed somebody just to accept us just as we are and reach out to us. That's the, 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 the first level. But it, fellowship, community needs to get deeper, all right, or get higher. And that's where the second core value is authentic community, which is that we believe that God created the church to fulfill our relational needs as well as our spiritual needs. We don't want to be superficial in either of the two, a relationship with God or a relationship with one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says that we being many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. We need to go deeper than just saying hi at the coffee hour. We need to fulfill the biblical one another's. You know, in the Bible, there's many one another's. Serve one another. Esteem one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. Rebuke one another. Get all these one another's that is in the Bible. Wash the feet of one another. All those one another's, we need to fulfill those. You're not going to fill them in the five-minute coffee hour. Just talking about sports and recipes and shopping and whatever. So we need to go deeper. How are we going to go deeper? Well, this is what, with every one of these pillars, I want to talk about where the church is going to go next, specifically. I've mentioned this before about life and leisure groups. And for those who have been here for a while, have heard me speak about it. For those who are new, haven't. Life and leisure groups... Okay, are two separate things, leisure groups and life groups. Leisure groups have started and then died, and then they started again, a little better than the first time, and then they died again, and now we're getting ready for 3.0 release, where hopefully we'll get a little bit more on the upswing and we can keep the momentum riding. The idea of leisure groups is that we need to not live life isolated. So instead of doing Leisure groups is not inconvenient, it's not burdensome. It's the day-to-day -day activities, or week-to-week -week activities, that we do normally, instead of doing it alone, we do it with one another. We throw it out there for anyone who would like to participate. This can be something as simple as, I want me and my three friends, we play basketball together on Sundays after church. Well, maybe me and my three friends, if we create it as a life group, we put it out there on the website, and then if two more guys want to join, then instead of four of us, we got six of us. If I want to go uh, uh, hiking with uh, my friend, uh, we create that as a leisure group. And anyone who wants to join can go. People have gone to conferences together, uh, retreats together, um, baking stuff together, okay? Um, like any kind of activity, any kind of hobby, any kind of thing that you like to do and you want to do it with someone else can become a leisure group. 
Even something as simple as me and my wife want to go out to dinner with another couple. You know, we'd, like, we'd love to meet new couples. There's two of us couples that go out together. We'd love a third couple, a fourth couple to come join us. We want to go out in the Arlington area uh, one Friday a month. Something like that. Anything can become a leisure group. The idea is instead of doing it alone, that we open it up to establish the beginning steps of community. As leisure group, you're going to hear some new stuff coming out about leisure groups very, very, very soon. Like I said, 3.0 release is coming out, and hopefully this is the one that gets us over the fence so that we keep the momentum going. Life groups, you're going to hear about those coming out soon too in the new year. And life groups are the activity formerly known as small groups, all right, but redesigned. The idea with the life group is again to go deeper than just the leisure groups. This would be the idea is more of a semester-based life group, where we would say, you know, us, you know, the six of us want to get together, you know, during the fall and study this topic. Maybe ladies want to get together and do a ladies thing. Guys want to do a guys thing. Couples want to do a couples thing. Maybe students want to do a co-ed kind of a thing. And we do it for like a semester, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is, around a topic. And then if they want to continue into it, into the next semester, like, you know, I'm thinking like fall, summer, spring, okay? Uh, fall, spring, summer, kind of a thing. If you want to continue, continue. If you want to dissolve, dissolve. It's an easy way that you can get connected without a long-term commitment. You don't need to sign your life away that you're going to have to be there every Sunday at 5 o'clock for the rest of your life. You can go, and you don't like them, or like it after a few weeks. Stick it out for the six weeks, and then, you know what? Just, you know, make an excuse, and that's fine. That's everything's fine. There's no guilt Okay, when we do it in that semester kind of a system. Why this is so important? If you go back to this Acts chapter 2 passage, I don't want you to look at specifics, but I want you to read this with, or look at it as I read it, and I want you to tell me the spirit of the early church as, as relating to the relationships with one another. Tell me like the spirit that you see right here. Don't tell me specifics. Now all who believed were together had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as anyone had need. You're getting like a spirit of how their life was. It wasn't isolated. It was a lot of common. It was a lot of, like they knew what was going on in each other's lives. So continuing daily, with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness, simplicity of hearts. What you sense from this passage is they weren't like just seeing each other on Sundays, right? Like, you see that they were really, like, doing life together. Like, it wasn't just, like, people that you saw on Sundays in a building and you just greeted them and that was it. Like, their lives were much more connected. I'm afraid that we don't have this. And that's why something like life groups and leisure groups, we're going to push these because that's how God wants us to be, is our lives connected, not every man for himself. When God wants to work in the life of people, he does it in groups more than he does individually, I want to say. Why? Look at the Old Testament. God, yes, he spoke, okay, and he worked, but like the majority of it was to the 12 tribes of Israel, the people of Israel. God dealt with the people. New Testament, it was the apostles, they were all together. Book of Acts, it was the group of the believers. I'm not saying he won't work in your life if you're not connected, but I'm saying God's most powerful work is when it's done in groups, in fellowship, in community with one another. All right? So the first pillar of St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church is community. The second pillar. Remember the second pillar? Worship. Again, worship, word that means different things for different people. 
When I talk about worship slash prayer, it is clear that the New Testament church was a church where people had a strong, a strong worship. A strong worship, whether that was their prayer meetings, whether that was their breaking bread from house to house, whether that was their own personal prayers, it was a strong sense of worship and living with the divine on earth. I spoke about this in the liturgy and the sermon, so I won't focus on too much here. But the two core values relating to the worship are the transformational communal worship, which is that we gather to be transformed by the real presence of God in our midst every time we meet, the communal, and then the individual is the passionate pursuit of God, that we don't stop worshiping after we leave church, we seek to live passionate lives for God by pursuing Him every day through prayer, Bible reading, giving, witnessing, everything that we do. We want to gather together for worship. We want to leave and continue to worship. We want our worship here to be very powerful, to be transformational. That we want to leave and have transformational, powerful, passionate worship in our rooms, with our families, with our friends, with whatever it may be. Did you know that these two forms of worship... The corporate and the personal need each other. And you can't have one without the other. You can't. You can't have strong, like all of us, corporate worship is only as strong as the individual worship in our rooms. So if none of us pray all week long, and none of us know anything about anything, and then we show up, our worship isn't going to be very powerful. But when we have the strength there, and then we get together and unite, it's very powerful. Also, when it's powerful here, then it creates powerful here in different ways as well. Why is it more powerful? Why do we need corporate worship? Why, why is it more powerful when we do it together? In my opinion, you know what worshiping, praying with others, what it gives you more than you can get by yourself more than anything else? I'd say it gives joy. Spirit. Like, you can be joyful by yourself, but real joy is best expressed in groups. Agree or disagree? You win the lottery. You're not just going to go and write a note okay, to somebody. You're going to go bang on people's doors and let everyone know you won the lottery. You win a football game. okay? You're just looking to hug, high-five anyone. All right? If you've never witnessed this, go to a sporting event and you will become best friends with strangers you would otherwise never speak to. I'm not joking. I'm dead serious. Okay? There's a bond that's created when you're celebrating and you're together. I'll show you how much more joyful it is when we're together. Clapping. Platform. <laughs> Give it two or three. Alright, that's one. Let's add a second guy in there. Go ahead, both of you. Let's throw a third. Whole row. Whole side. All of you. Thank you. <laughs> Very kind of you. It's nicer when we all, by himself, he felt like an idiot. Okay? You know what I mean? But when all together, when we get up here and sing, okay, we have these nice, beautiful songs. You ask me to come here and sing by myself, I'm not going to sing by myself. Okay? Because it's, it's going to be weird. I'm going to hear myself. The best singing is when you can't hear yourself, right? Isn't that the best? When you can't hear yourself. And you just scream and ah, it's the best. That's what I was telling y'all when I was up in Toronto. We had these outreach nights. There was like 800, 900 people in that room. And we were singing. My favorite song is uh, Shout to the Lord. Because okay, the song is called Shout to the Lord. 
Okay, so you're obeying it, okay, and it's, I'm screaming out, all this kind of stuff, and you can't hear anything. That's the best. There's power in that that you can't have by yourself. I like this verse from Psalm 122, verse 1. King David says, I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I hope we have this mentality as well, that we have this joy when we go to the house of the Lord together. Not we worship by ourselves only, but we worship together. How are we going to implement this or work on this here at St. Timothy's? I mentioned this during the liturgy, so I'll just kind of breeze through it, is that we want to establish a prayer team. One of the things I forgot to say during the liturgy, well, let me talk about it, then I'll say it. So the idea, okay, so we said communal worship and personal worship. Communal worship, we want to continue to work on that and continue to find ways, okay, as you see with our, our, our I'll talk about it in two senses, with the liturgical worship as well as when we get together and we sing together. We're working on both of those to make those better and more user-friendly. And some people got said ideas like for the liturgy, like someone came up with the idea of today, you noticed after communion, we all read that prayer together. That was kind of cool to me. I kind of thought that was, that was nice. We want to find more things like that, not changing anything, but more ways to make the liturgical worship more tasty, is what I want to say. Like, you know, a steak... But when it has the right seasoning, it's... We don't want to take away the steak. You can't take the steak as the steak. But you can take a steak and make it tasty. That's what we want to do. With little things, make it a little bit tasty. But we also want to do, is, like I said during the liturgy, is encourage prayer outside of church services. We want to put together a prayer team. Not a prayer meeting, a prayer team. To encourage people to pray. To give people resources to pray. To give people a place where they can funnel prayer requests. To give me a place where I can say, this is what the church needs to be praying for right now. To hold regular prayer meetings and to encourage people to and to facilitate all that kind of stuff. To raise the importance of prayer. What I forgot to say during the liturgy is if this is something that you're passionate about, or you're excited about, or you feel strongly about, and you want to take like help in the leadership of this prayer team, come let me know. Because we're looking for some people who say, prayer, that's my thing. I'm not really into, I'm not very good at the social, I'm not very good at the witnessing, uh, you know, I'm not very talented in this kind of stuff, but I love to pray. And I'll pray about anything with anyone, anytime. And if that's you, come. Because that's the point of the church with the pillars, is you don't need to be very good at all of them, but together we'll be good at all of them. So come let me know if that fits you. So we said the first one was community. The second pillar was worship. Third pillar is spiritual growth or spiritual maturity. And the two core values that connect with that pillar is the Christ-like integrity, which is that we believe that our personal integrity is the greatest reflection of our relationship with Christ. True spiritual maturity is not measured by knowledge, but by obedience. All right, so we're talking about spiritual growth. We're not just talking about learning, but practicing. And then the second core, or the, the second core value that relates to that is faith-filled vision. We believe in a big God. We rely on Him to do extraordinary things in our lives. We are not surprised when God does a miracle. We're more surprised when he doesn't. Look at this verse from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. That we, should be no, that we should no longer be children, but may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. We want to constantly be maturing in our spiritual walk. And you know what's tragic? If you see a child, okay, a child who is, you know, six months old, and he's goo-goo-gaga and all that kind of stuff. That's nice and that's cute. 
If he's still saying goo goo gaga at six years, that's bad. The same thing that was cute at age six months is bad at age six years. And many of us in our spiritual lives, I'm not saying it's bad to be at, at the spiritual like baby level, but it's bad to stay at that level. And when we have limitless acceptance, we accept everyone no matter where you are, but like the expression goes, God loves you exactly as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you there. All right? And it's part of the church's mission to help people grow and mature spiritually. Not just here, but here as far as obedience. So I'll throw it to you. Where are you now in your spiritual walk? How are you today more mature than you were six months ago? A year ago? Two years ago? How do you plan a year from now that you will be even more mature? Or is it just kind of like, I go to church and what happens, happens. We, not, we, we want to make sure that our people are growing spiritually and growing in knowledge as well as in practice of God's commandments. So, where it comes in there is membership classes. How we plan to implement is through membership classes. And you've heard me talk about membership classes, maybe some of you. And our goal is to do membership classes, the first round of them, in December. Now let me give you a little... Uh, briefing on what the membership class is all about. Let me tell you what it's going to be about starting next year. Because it's going to be something, and there's going to be something in the short term before the long term. The long term is that when someone wants to join the church, we're going to, anyone is welcome to come and attend for as long as they want. But at some point in time, we're going to challenge them to take the next step in their faith, and then they would, instead of just relying on you or on me or on individuals or anything like that, we'll have a class. And a class, again, like I said with the life groups will be like semester-based. So they'll be like one in the fall and one in the spring. And we'll see if we need one in the summer as well. We'll kind of see what the demand is. So instead of me meeting with individuals one-on-one -on -one only, there'll be a class. And I'm picturing that's an eight-week class. It'd be on Saturdays. And it would start with a time. be like from five to seven on Saturdays. And it would start with a meal together. So let's say it's a group of like ten people. All right? You'd have a short meal together. So you're starting to establish some community. It'd be like you're... Your, your rookie class, like your draft class or your pledge class or whatever it is. Like y'all would be like together and y'all would meet so you establish a relationship. Then there'd be some kind of teaching. And then at some point in time in the class, there'd be some kind of project or some kind of like at, of, of working out whatever it is that we're talking about. And then it would conclude with baptism, a huge celebration of some sort because now we're not talking about celebrating a baptism every week but like twice a year, three times a year, a huge celebration where everyone rejoiced with these newest members of the church family. Because what we want to do is make sure that every person who's a member of our church not just knows the basics of Christianity, but knows who we are as St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church. So because of that, we want every single person to go through this membership class, including all of us. But with that said, we're going to do an abbreviated version for the first time for those of us like for us okay why because most of us have been through like all the core values and we know a lot about the church and we know the basis of Christianity so we're gonna make it into a four-week program and it's not going to be like I said where you have to come together in one place because we can't all fit in one place but it's going to be in a like a life group model so what we're gonna do is in December like starting after end of November, you start to hear about it, is we're going to form these groups, these life groups, 
and the sessions will be recorded DVD. You'll get together with your group, there'll be four sessions, you have, you know what I mean, like sometime, like in these six weeks, go through these four sessions, okay, because that'll be around the holidays, so things will be, so in these four, in these six weeks, you go through these four sessions, you get together, you have a meal, you discuss the stuff, you watch the thing, you discuss the stuff, you do whatever, we get together afterward, we have a little celebration, and ta-da, you're members of the church, all right? The idea is not just that we'd have membership classes, but the membership classes would be the first step towards establishing more classes, optional classes, like elective kind of classes where someone says, I want to know more about this topic. And then we could put together a kind of a class, not necessarily that I'm teaching everything because I don't got that time and I don't have that expertise, but we could pool resources together and find a way that this group of six can study this topic. Someone may say, I want to know more about church rituals. So boom, that can be like a class. Someone say, I want to know more about like the Gospels and like the person of Christ. Boom, that can be a class. It's not all going to be, I'm not saying it's all going to be in December. I'm saying phase step one is in December. And maybe we add something a couple months later. And then something and something and something. And I'm sure as I'm saying this, some of you are sitting there like, you know what, Father Anthony, I'm passionate about that. Sign me up for that. I love that. I love to learn, I love to research, I love to study, I love to be part of people getting, growing in their knowledge of their faith. Sign me up for that. Come talk to me afterward if you're interested in that. But that's how we're going to grow. And we're going to make sure that we are not just the same today as we were yesterday. We are going to be growing spiritually because it's a tragedy if you go to church for 50 years of your life and you still at the same maturity level that you were when you started joining. All right, so we did community is the first pillar. Second pillar was worship. Third pillar is spiritual growth. Fourth pillar, and remember, is sacrifice or giving. I think it's on your handout, actually. You don't need to try. It's on your handout. Sacrifice, giving. All right, the two core values that correspond here is irrational generosity, which says, we genuinely believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. We seek opportunities to express our love to God by sacrificing our time and our money. And then the second one, faithful stewardship of talents and gifts. We believe that each one of us is entrusted by God with specific talents and gifts. That God has given to us something and God wants us to use it to serve Him and to glorify Him. Why sacrifice and giving is so important? I have three beliefs in my life that are very, very foundational in this area. Tell me if you disagree with any one of these. Number one, I believe that as we said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You agree with me? You should because that's what Jesus said. Number two, I believe that every single person here has talents and gifts. You agree with me? You should because again, that's what the Bible says. And every one of us may not have the same gifts, but everyone has some gifts. There's a nice quote I read that says, I'll paraphrase it, I'm going to get exactly like a fish. Okay, you all know this one? A fish may be an expert. Does anyone know it? At swimming, but ask a fish to fly, and he's going to feel like a failure. Right? Is that right? No? Was it a squirrel to swim? Might have been a squirrel to swim. A squirrel might be a great climber, but ask a squirrel to swim, and he's going to feel like a failure. No? Fish. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. Okay? Everyone's good at something, but the problem is we feel like we have nothing that we're good at because we just haven't tried the right thing. And me, my philosophy is if you're good at something, trial and error. Give us some trial and error. Come and say, hey, I think this prayer thing could be my thing. So come try it. 
A couple weeks later, you say, this is the worst thing in the world. I stink at this. Okay, you stink at that. Let's try maybe this, this spiritual growth thing might be your area. You might be like really passionate and gifted in that. So let's give that a try. You may be a gifted teacher. You don't even know about it. Every one of us has gifts. So number one, we're blessed to give and receive. Number two, all of us have gifts and talents. Number three, here's the most important one, that if we do not give of the gifts that we have given, if we don't give it back to God, that equals stealing from God. God has given me money, and I do not give anything back to him. That is stealing from God. That is robbing God. So it says in Malachi chapter 3. If God has given me a gift, and I sit in my house, and I choose not to use it, I am stealing from the body of Christ a gift that was given. Because when God gives me a gift, you know why God gives me a gift? Let's say God has given me a gift to, to, to teach or to preach or whatever. Who is that gift for? Why did God give me that gift? For me? So that I could go around and preach and everyone could clap for me and tell me how great I am? You know why God gave it to me? Because God knew some people who needed to hear it. And if God gave you a gift, it's for my sake. So you don't have a right to steal my gift. God gives me a gift to use for you. And God gives you a gift to use for that guy. And that guy for that guy. And all of us are using our gifts for one another. You don't have a right to steal that gift from the body of Christ. If God has given you financially, then you give. We give. Because the Bible says if you don't give, that's the concept of tithing. You're stealing from God. And, and also, if God has given you a gift, then you give. You offer it to God because he's the one who's given it to you. And if you don't, you might end up losing that gift. So how we are going to implement this pillar, what we're going to do, tithing and volunteering. Tithing and volunteering. Time and money. Tithing and volunteering at two levels. At an individual level, we are challenging and we are saying that all of us together, we are agreeing, that's better than challenging, we are agreeing, myself and yourself, we are agreeing that we will tithe financially and we will tithe time-wise as well. We will give generously from our money and we will give generously from our time. At an individual level, that. And then at a church level, we as a church are going to tithe of our time and our money. I told you all this before. One of the things that we talked about is we want to be a church that has an impact on the community around us. So we want all of Arlington to know that we love Arlington. We don't want anything from Arlington. We just want to love Arlington. So we are going to do a project at least once a year. We're starting off with once. We want to do it once before the end of this year, and then we'll see how things go in the new year. A big project, which we are saving money because it'll cost money and then we are going to hopefully in December time period around the holidays do a big project together we can go out in the community what the project is I don't know all right we're researching some options if anyone is interested has ideas love to hear some we'll go out in the community and whether we go to a hospital and buy gifts for all the kids in the sick in the sick ward or in the or, in, or you know in the terminally ill whether we go to a school and we clean up a school for a day we're gonna go out in numbers we're not gonna go out like Five at a time, we're gonna go all together, we're gonna have a big impact. And it's gonna cost money, but we're gonna say to them, we don't want any money from you. We as a church would like to give back because you guys, every one of us, us, we are tithing to the church. The church should then tithe as well. Okay, so the church should give a percentage of its budget. Say, we wanna do this project and invest back in Arlington. So see how that works? We will make sure that we are a church of sacrifice and giving at an individual level, and then at a church level, through tithing and volunteering. 
Which leads us, that's connected to the fifth one, of witness and evangelism. Witness and evangelism. Hey, if there's one thing our church has to be, has to be a church where people see God and they hear the good news that Christ came to give. We believe personal call to evangelism. That the call to evangelism wasn't for 12 guys 2,000 years ago. That as much as it applied to St. Mark, it applies to me. As much as it applied to St. John, it applies to me. And when Jesus said, go into all the world, all the ends of the world, and preach the gospel, when he said it to them, he meant it to me just as much. I may not go to all the world, but I will go to this piece of the world. Because none of us can cover all the world. But together, as a body, we can. And then genuine love for community is that we bleed with love for the community around us, especially those without Christ. We don't just care about physical needs, but when we love someone, we care about their social needs, their emotional needs, their physical needs, their financial needs. We love the community around us and we, we seek ways to express that love. My theory on evangelism is this, and anyone that I've shared this with has agreed with me, so I hope you all agree with me as well. How are we going to reach the community? How are we going to do evangelism? I don't think we're going to do evangelism by the traditional means. Meaning, I don't anticipate us standing in the street and saying, come to our church. Follow us. We'd not, we're not going to be out there preaching the gospel in the streets. I believe that what we have, what we have here in the Orthodox Church, is the most beautiful thing in the whole wide world. And I believe our job, we don't even need to take it outside and show people. We just need to make sure that we don't put barriers in its way. And a lot of the reason that many people are kept away from the beauty of Orthodox Christianity is not because people aren't telling them about it, because people are telling them and then they're coming and they're finding barriers. So for us, there are two ways that we will reach the community. We will reach the community through the well, which is this right here, as well as the website. Handsome guy up there. Through the well. That's what this is created for. This wasn't just created so that we could have something fun to do after the liturgy. This was created as an easy, no barrier way to come in and just take that first step. I was just telling someone the other day, if you got a friend and you want to invite them to church, don't invite them to the liturgy. Don't invite them to the liturgy. Because we're struggling with our own people to get them into the liturgy. Okay? Don't invite them to the liturgy. Invite them to the well. That's what it was created for. It was created just for that purpose. They could come in, and it's non-threatening, and it's not, like, forgive my expression here, okay? I use this in the truest sense of the word. It's not weird. It's not strange. The liturgy is weird and strange. Not in a bad, negative way, but it's strange because it's not common. That's what weird means. It means something that's not common. It's weird. I have a big hat on my head, okay? Okay, there's smoke flying around, all right? People are up and down and left and right and shoes are flying, like... It's strange. And it's difficult for people, okay? And all the people who are not born and raised Coptic Orthodox are now going, yes, yeah, it is. But we just don't realize it because maybe, like, we're weird too a little bit, but... That's what the well is for. And we want to do is want to invest more in the well to make it like, as you see here, we're trying to expand our wonderful band right here. They're doing a great job. We want to make, put more emphasis in that as well because for some people, that music, that's the time that they can really connect 
and be something that touches them inside. We want to start to invest more in like the, 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 the different things around the well and the connection table in the back and all that kind of stuff so that we can bring people here and y'all be the friendly faces that they'll see and y'all will greet them and then they'll get connected and hopefully that'll be the beginning of something very, very good for them. And then the website, because the website is our face. All right, so hopefully the website, we're going to work on the 2.0 release of the website, okay, we're working on, so that we can redevelop that and make that more consistent and more solid, so that can again be a means of evangelism and witnessing to people. Said another way, I think our evangelism is not going to be going out, but our evangelism is going to be putting our best foot forward and making sure that when someone comes in here, all right, they see something nice. Eventually, we will then go out. Okay, but the first phase is this phase. Y'all remember the five pillars? First pillar is, don't look at your paper. The first pillar of our church is? Community, community and fellowship. Second, and what's the core values that correspond to that? Limitless, Limitless acceptance. Authentic. Authentic community, okay? By the way, this, the cheat sheet, okay, is in the back. We printed some more copies. If you don't have one of these, make sure you grab it on your way out so you can study them so you can have all the right answers for next week. Second pillar of our church is worship. worship. And the two core values that correspond to that are transformational communal worship and passionate pursuit of God. We are a church that has community, has fellowship, but we also have a strong sense of worship, corporately as well as individually. Third pillar spiritual growth. We don't want to just be in first grade for the rest of our lives. We want to eventually get to second grade and third grade and fourth grade. And it doesn't matter what grade you come in at. We just want to help you get to the next one. So the two that correspond to that is Christ-like integrity, practicing what we preach, and faith-filled vision that we're, ch we're challenging God to grow us and we believe that God will grow us. Fourth pillar. Sacrifice or giving. We're getting weaker as we go along here. Okay. No one likes that giving one, right? Okay. Sacrifice and giving. Even if you don't say it, you still got to do it. All right. Sacrifice and giving. And we, we're talking about our time and our money and our spiritual gifts. So we want to be irrationally generous, okay, irrational generosity, as well as faithful stewardship of talents and gifts. Because if God has given it to me, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is robbing God if I don't use it, and everyone has some. And then the final one is witness and evangelism. And those are the, the personal call to evangelism, as well as the genuine love for community. That's what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Last verse I'll leave you all with. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 and 19. Talks again about this body of Christ. It says, you are not, you are, the, you that, the type of there. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. You know, when Jesus spoke these words to St. Peter, he wasn't just talking to Peter. You know who he was talking to? He's talking to us. He's talking to the church. He's saying the church is the most powerful organization on the planet. There is no more powerful organization. And if you want to change the world, the church is the means by which it's going to happen. All due respect to all the people on Capitol Hill, okay, on Pennsylvania Avenue, those people aren't going to change the world. They're not. We're going to change the world. Those people aren't going to fix the country. We're, it doesn't matter which one of them gets in there. Those people aren't going to. And if you're waiting for others, the organization, the wind, is the church. 
We all might be little straws, but we're connected to the wind. Even the powers of Hades can't stop us. And to the church was given the keys to the kingdom of life. I told you all about the church. I told you all about this church. And now I'm throwing it back out to you. Who's in is my question. I told you all who the church is. And I told you all who this specific church is. And I'm challenging you, saying, who is in? You by yourself. Like the body without the head is of no value. And you as an individual, if you are not connected to the body, to be connected to the head, try, fight, kick, scream all you want. The power, the keys to the kingdom is found in the body of Christ. And when I participate in the life of the church, and I participate in the life of Christ himself. I want to challenge you all to answer this question for yourselves of who is in. Because when we roll out the membership classes, some people may not want to do the membership classes. And say, you know what? You know, that's fine. But I'm challenging you to say who is in to this idea of the church, especially specifically our church. Let's stand up for a prayer, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God, amen. Lord, we thank you for your body which you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for this church which you founded. And you're the one who gave birth to it, Lord. And you put each one of us here today for a reason. Lord, help each of us to see like our role in this church and where you want us to be invested and where you want us to be like giving of ourselves. We want to live powerful lives, Lord. We want our homes to be powerful homes. We want our spiritual lives to be powerful spiritual lives. Lord, we need you, and we need your body. We just thank you that you have, of all the people in the whole wide world, you called us to be part of your body here. So many people who are out there in darkness, you've given us this great light here. Pray, Lord, that you'd help us to appreciate it, and help us to invest in it, and help this body right here that I'm just a little part, all of us to be just a little part. Help this body, Lord, to really do great things in this world, turn the world upside down through the, 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 the sacrifices that every person is making. Bless us, Lord, and bless each and every single member of our body, those who are present and those who are not. Bless them, Lord, and let them to feel your power in their lives at all times. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, and I is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.